Thanks for joining us for another amazing message from C3 Church Calgary. Our hope is that our podcast will equip and connect you to Jesus. Now prepare your hearts to receiving something new from God today. Um, all right. I, I did a series, started a series, it's two parts. Last week I talked about fake ID, this, this, this morning I'm going to talk about true ID. Identity and finding our identity is a, is a critical thing. At the end of the service I'm going to pray over everybody that we settle our ID. I said last week that we are part of Adam's family. For some of you who have, were, grew up and you knew the Adam's family, um, there's the Adam with the two D's, and then there's the Adam with the one D. Our Bible tells us in 1 Corinthians chapter 15 that there was a second Adam, and we can be born again, and our family ID changes. For each of you, you carry within your someplace, in your heart or your mind, maybe within your wallet, you carry an identification. When that gets stolen, so does your access to provision, uh, access to influence. Uh, your, your identity is a critical thing. I personally believe that every major battle that we fight is over identity. And this morning, I want to begin with a little bit of review as I, I read from First Corinthians, or Second Corinthians chapter 3 and verse 16. We're told, um, by the way, our, our, the podcasts are now on Spotify as well, for those of you who are signed up for, on Spotify. All right, uh, Mostly, I just want to look at, at the last part, but I'm going to read the first, is verse 16 to 18. But whenever anyone turns to the Lord, then the, this veil is taken away, our ability to see God in Christ and who exactly he is. But when we turn, this is our part. Did you know that we can turn? One of the terms for that in the scripture is repentance. It was we turn. That we're able to turn says, and when we turn, so, so we have a part to play in, in seeing this. Now the Lord is the Spirit, and wherever the Spirit of the Lord is, He gives freedom. And the essence of freedom is options. And all of us have had that veil removed so we can be mirrors and brightly reflect the glory of the Lord. And as the Spirit of the Lord works within us, we become more and more like Him and reflect His glory even more. This is not an automatic process. This requires our agreement. It won't happen without you saying yes to the process of God's Spirit at work within you. So this always requires our agreement. The other passage I want to read is taken from 2 Timothy chapter 1, and verse 9. And um, where it says that he saved us and called us not by our works, but by his own purpose... And grace before the ages began. In Ephesians 2 and verse 10, it also says, For we are God's workmanship created in Christ Jesus to do good works, which God prepared for us in advance to do. The, 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 second, the second passage, sorry, the first one, it says that, that he has saved us and called us, uh, not by our works, but by his own purpose. That word purpose actually could be uh, used to, as identity. Purpose and identity are connected. Those of you who are Bible students, this is number 4286 in your Strong's Concordance. And it comes from the word purpose, comes from the word prothesis. Pro meaning before, 
and thesis, an original body of research establishing a view. So let me read it again. For we are God's workmanship created in Christ. Sorry, we, we, he has saved us and called us not by our own works, but by his own purpose, his original body of research establishing a view, and grace, the enablement to fulfill that before the ages began. Like before the ages began. Like not just when you were born, not just when you were formed or reformed, but before the ages began. Just think of that. That before the ages began, he had a purpose in mind for you and I, and he also had the grace or the enablement or the ability to fulfill that. My question to us today is, are we fulfilling his purpose on the planet? That he has a specific purpose and enablement. We could use the word interchangeably, I guess, with we have a grace or we have a, an ability and or an anointing or something like that to fulfill what he has created for us to fulfill. That is awesome. That to me is mind expanding. That create, he's created for us in Ephesians 2.10 as his workmanship, his, which really is his, that, that term there's an artistic term. We're like his drawing or his painting. There's nobody else like you. And Paul says to compare ourselves among ourselves, we become unwise. What he means by that is if you try to just be like someone else, the best you'll be is second best. You'll be the best somebody else. But he's created you and I with a very unique design and purpose before the ages began. Here's the, here's the point or the principle in that is that he has designed something in the spirit realm, in his heart, in his imagination, in his creativity. He's the, he has something that you and I have to agree with to bring it to pass on the earth. And, and here's the issue with I, identification. If we don't get our identification from the word of the Lord or from the spirit of God, we'll end up getting it from somebody putting their identification on us. So we all end up getting poured into a certain mold. And that can happen from our parents, from our teachers at school or college. It can come from our colleagues. So identity really comes from what we identify with. And we're told in that passage in 2 Corinthians 3.13 that as, as the veil gets removed from you and I, when, when, the, when God removes the veil, now we are able to, like a mirror, be able to see not only who he is, but who we are. This was Peter's revelation in one of the very few times the word church is mentioned in the New Testament, where he said he would build his church, who, who do you say that I am? And he's, you're the Christ, the Son of the living God. Now, therefore, you're no longer this, but now you're this. You're no longer Simon, but you're Peter. <laughs> you're no longer a little dipper, but you're a big dipper. <laughs> it, it, it's, it's honestly, this is like a, a wonderful revelation for you and I to get a hold of. Um, so, so, we produce in time, because spirit is outside of time. God is a spirit. He's outside of time. And you and I, we, there's, a part, there's two parts of us that are outside of time, our spirit and our soul. They're outside of time. But our body is clearly within time. 
And for some of us, that's more obvious than others. We watched a movie with um, Jane Fonda in it, and uh, I said, honey, just Google Jane Fonda. Find out how old she really is. She's 80 years old. Does anybody remember Buns of Steel when she did that? Did she do that? She did something like that. She did that exercise thing, remember? She looks the same. I mean, she doesn't move quite as spryly as she used to, but, but here's what we try to do is we try to trick time a little bit. She's doing pretty good at it, I think. I said, let's find what she's doing and, and do that. I was told this week I, I, I need a lid lift because my, pretty soon I'm gonna, the, the, the lids are going to obstruct my view of the world. Well, after, after 60-some times around the sun, gravity is not your friend. Um, what am I trying to say? I'm trying to say that every one of us are going to live forever. There's a part of you that's eternal. And you get to choose where you spend eternity, but you also get to choose how you're going to live out your life and your purpose on this earth. It's always our choice. Um, <clears throat> in the New Testament, there's seven different words for sin. And one of the words that's used the most is harmatia, and it means to miss the mark. I know we sometimes try to label sin as a certain activity but, and or something, but, but just, just think of it this way. What if sin is just not hitting that mark of our high calling in Christ? That, we are, that, that anything that would keep us from becoming all that we've been created and called to be, that probably is a better definition of sin than, than you know, what we eat or drink or, you know, wear or whatever. To miss the mark, harmatia. To live below what we've been created and called and graced to do on the earth. Um, I think that's mind-blowing for me. I see the discipleship process as becoming the best you, the real you, the unique you. We saw last week how our identity is shaped and released or suppressed by strategic moments in time. <laughs> Funny thing I mentioned in that story about that quarterback, the two people here knew the quarterback. It's remarkable. Um, small world. Um, I used to, I used to, if I were to, I'm just going to use the word now and the question because um, our, the crisis, identity crisis, often comes out of a question, and the question is, who are you? You may have asked the question within your heart, who am I? And I remember for me the moment when I was filling out my passport and um, how proud I was to be able to say when they ask, what, <laughs> they didn't ask who you are, they asked what you do, and I, I, I could say farmer. I still have an issue filling that out when people ask what you do. I'm not sure to, how to describe exactly what I do. But I remember always being happy, saying, well, I'm a farmer. That's simple. Come from a long line of farmers, and I was able to say, I'm a farmer. Sometimes when asked that question, who you are, we'll actually use our occupation to define that. Sometimes we can define it by what we drive. I'm a Harley driver. What do you drive? And you know what kind of truck I drive. But that's just what kind of vehicle you drive. It's all external stuff. For someone, if you were to say, well, who am I? You may use a role. Well, I'm, the, I'm a husband. That's yeah, just a role. Well, I'm a grandpa. It's just a role. Um, well, I'm a son. Well, I'm a friend. Yeah, just roles. Well, I'm Canadian. No, that's your nationality. Okay, well, I'm a pastor. No, that's your calling. But we often identify people from, by what they do. I'm a this, I'm a this, I'm a this, I'm a this. I'm a bee, I'm a bee, I'm a... 
Someone was humming that. Are oh, you black-eyed peas? Um, but, but, but here's, here's what's, what I want to say is really important for each of us. The, whatever you put after the words, I am, is extremely powerful in shaping your life. I am. Most of this is a silent narrative that you replay in your mind. It may have to do with a hobby. Well, I'm of this. It may have to do with a character quality. And for some, it can be negatively defined from a, by a failure or a fault. Well, I'm just a loser. Or I'm just an <laughs> adulterer. Or I'm trying to think of terms right now. I'm just a, yeah. Well, that's not just who you are. That may be an activity, maybe something you did, but that doesn't need to define who you are. It's really powerful, and I think that for you and for me, we need to be aware that we have two identities, one that we're currently fulfilling and one that we will fulfill one day, and that you and I are known in heaven already by certain qualities and characteristics. And, and we should hang around people who are able to celebrate those qualities and characteristics in us, not ones who remind us of our earthly identity or faults or failures. We need to find those people to call that out and be that in us. It's true that our earthly identity is shaped in moments. And last week I tried to erase and, and, and reverse some of the identities that have been placed on people and called them to live out of a higher identification place. And, and, and you and I think we're defined by probably by four, maybe five, at the most six or seven specific moments when some label or word now lives on the inside of us and we are held strong, it becomes a stronghold of keeping us moving into our true identity because it really is our fake identity. There's a crisis comes in the question. First John, sorry, John chapter 1, in, uh, from verses 19 to 23, John has asked five times who he is. This is really important because people are going to ask who you are, and even if they don't, they'll subtly ask you who you are. And it's important you have an answer. I assure you, your enemy will ask who you are, especially when you try and walk out your true identity. So he's asked five times who he was. And um, this is a testimony of John, one of the Jewish leaders. And they asked John whether he claimed to be the Messiah. That's his first question. Are you the Messiah? He flatly denied, I am not the Messiah. Really important to know who you are and also who you are not. Where does he get his answers from? He gets them from the Word of God. It's where we get our answers too about our identification, our true identification. Well, then who are you? The, question number two. Are you Elijah? Are you, he said, no. Are you the prophet? He said, no. Well, then tell us who you are. Give us an answer to those who sent us. What do you have to say about yourself? John replied using the words of Isaiah. And he said, I am a voice. I am that voice of one crying in the wilderness, prepare the way of the Lord. And if there's ever a need for a John the Baptist anointing, it's today to prepare the way of the Lord for people to find the Lord. So five times, he could have answered outside of Scripture. He could have said, well, I come from the line, a priestly line of Zacharias. He could have said that. 
He could have said, well, I'm the son of Elizabeth and I was, who was once barren, but now I'm the, a miracle birth from that. He could have answered that. But he didn't answer that way from the earthly ID. He answered from his heavenly ID, his true ID. He said, this is who I am. And where did he get that? He got it from the word of God. Um, he said, I am the voice. I'm not the Messiah. I'm here to prepare the way. Uh, so he declared both who he was and who he was not. If we turn over in chapter 3, I love, uh, after the little interaction with Nicodemus, um, he was, Jesus was, was there and, and people were asking about him and he replied, it's God in heaven who appoints each person his work. You don't want to know where you get your work as well as your identification from? From God in heaven. <laughs> He said, you yourself know how plainly I told you I am not the Messiah. He gives three, he gives one I am not and three I ams. He said, I'm here to prepare the way for him, that's all. The bride's going to go where the bridegroom is. A bridegroom's friend rejoices with that. I am the bridegroom's friend. I love that. I, I've included that in my journal. I am the bridegroom's friend. If, there, if there's, Maybe if there's something that you forget to take away today, Maybe you could just remind yourself of that. I'm the bridegroom's friend. Who's the bridegroom? The bridegroom's Jesus. I'm the bridegroom's friend. Then he says, I am, and then he said, I'm filled with joy. You, you, sometimes I think we need to remind ourselves what we're filled with. Because I get told what I'm full of sometimes. <laughs> and I need to remind them what I'm full of. I need to remind myself what I'm full of. I'm filled with joy at his success, and he must become greater and I must become less. I love that. Did you know that Jesus had I am statements as well? If you look in John, you'll, you'll see some of his I am statements. It's the bread of life. He said, I am the bread of life. I love that one. I am the light of the world. We love that. He also goes on to say, I'm not alone. He says, I've come to bear witness from above. He says, I'm not of this world. He said, before Abraham was, was, I am. He said, I'm the door. I'm come that they might have life. I am the good shepherd. I am in the Father. I am the resurrection and the life. I am the true vine. If Jesus needs I am statements, you and I need I am statements. Amen? We do. He said, and then chapter 18, which I love, and they said, who are you? He said, I'm Jesus of Nazareth, and they all fall, fell backwards. I don't know what happened there, but I think it's cool. Paul had some I am statements. I love this one in the first chapter 1 of Romans. He said, I am not ashamed of the gospel. What a statement. Because it's the power of God unto salvation. In, your area, in the area of life that you don't have power, it very well may be you don't have a revelation of the gospel. The gospel is all-inclusive and it's very powerful. I am statements are powerful, and sometimes we need to script them, write them out. You might have a better way of discovering your identity. I don't. That's the best way for me is to write it out, not just because of my age, but because I get little voices that tell, try to tell me what I'm not. You do too. It's intimidating voices. I found it that's not enough for us to have these in our heart, or sorry, in our head. We need to write them on our heart. It's wonderful to read that phrase from the story in Luke chapter 15 of the prodigal where it says that he came to himself. How do you come to yourself? Aren't you already there? Where you are, that's where you are. 
I just love that. He came to himself. He said, I'm more than just somebody who's eating pea pods in the pigsty. What a, what a, what a revelation. Then he, then he came back to the father. Why? Because he realized I'm more than just a runaway, no good. I'm a son. That means I've got a father. And the instant he reconnected, his inheritance was reestablished for him. I just love that story. It's probably my favorite. I got so many favorites. He gives him a robe. He was aware that he's, he's a son. You know, in the very beginning, Adam forgot who he was. And his fig leaf was replaced with another garment. Required a sacrifice, required a life. And you and I now, we have a new life in Christ. And we have a robe of righteousness that cost him his son. I am. In chapter 3 of, of Matthew, and, and I just want to reiterate how, how when you begin to walk out your true ID, that you will face your true enemy. And, and Jesus, and I've, I've wondered, did Jesus need the Father's audible voice to anchor him for what he was about to do? The two times there was an audible voice from heaven. And both times... It, it, you, you notice what's not said. It's not, he's not told what to do. It's not instructional. And he's not told where to go. It's not directional. It was relational. Where he says, this is my son. The first time was in Matthew chapter 3. And a little bit later in the Mount of Transfiguration, he is essentially saying, he said, this is my son. Listen to him. He was essentially saying, Peter, shut up. Listen to my son. He, Peter was on the go, just trying to, Put another foot in his mouth. This is my son, and I'm fully pleased with him. Don't you? It's an interesting that the father has an I am here too. And I am fully pleased with him. Are you able to hear that in your heart of hearts, that the father is fully pleased with you? You know, when he said this, it was, it was right at the end of the obscure and hidden years of Jesus. It wasn't about what he was about to do, it's what he has already done. What has he done? He's just simply been at home making tables and chairs in his father's carpentry shop. Do you know before you do anything that you think will please him, that he already says, I'm fully pleased with you. Can you receive that? That I am, this is the father's I am, I am fully pleased. And if you're part of the bride of Christ, he is fully, right now, fully pleased with you before you go and fill stadiums with your great message that you have in your heart. Wow! Doesn't that just, like, fill you with something? That gives you some stuff. I am fully pleased with you. Have you ever heard the Father say that to you? If, if, if Jesus needed to hear it, you and I need to hear it. That he's fully pleased with me. So he says this before Jesus casts out any demons. But you know what? The next thing that's quite interesting to me is chapter 4. As soon as he stands up and he says, this is my son, right away as the enemy comes in with three temptations all about his identity. Well, if you are the son of God, then why? Because he's beginning now to walk in his true heavenly anointing and calling. The instant that you don't, this is not an easy thing to do. It's a critical thing to do. And as soon as you start to walk out your heavenly ID, you will get opposition. If you feel called to become somebody who is meant to resource kingdom endeavors with millions of money, 
millions of dollars. I heard myself, and I caught myself. Um, what's going to happen? You're going to face incredible opposition right away is over your integrity and your purity of heart, your motives. You feel, I, 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 get, I do get a kick out of people, young men and women, who say, I, I'm called to speak to stadiums full of people. I said, oh, man, can you speak to a room full first? Because if you can do that well, it's quite likely he'll trust you with maybe a room a little bigger, but not likely a stadium. There's a process to get there. An, er an inheritance that's quickly gained becomes a curse, the proverb said. So you get it too quick and you're not established the character to care for it, it'll end up messing you up. So he gets threatened. Right away, he's his enemy. He speaks up and says who he is. Tries to remind him who he was. When your word comes from the heart of the Father, there will be a battle. And it'll not be a battle about your... It'll be a battle about your ID. And I know when the name comes, it comes with a grace to fulfill it. We need to begin acting like our heavenly identification right now. I tell married couples many times, I said, you're no longer, from this day forward, you're no longer single, stop acting like a single. Seems pretty straightforward, but I know what can happen. People can get married and still act like singles. But, so now they have to, now it feels a bit awkward, because now I have to think of another, and some of us are a little slower at picking that up. But you've got to start acting now like you are. That's what I'm asking people to do, and I think what the Lord asks us to do. Those good works he's prepared for us before the foundation of the earth. He said, start acting like that person now. And you will find that there's a grace to go with that. This is really important. It's really important. Um, I love that slide that we saw there in John 3, verse 27. It's God that appoints every man his work, everybody his work. I write out my I am statements because I forget. Here's a picture of my journal, one of my journals. You won't be able to read it. I write in tongues. <laughs> Need the gift of interpretation. At the front of my journal, this is, this is one, some of the stuff that I write. I'm, a, I'm, a, I'm moving from a spiritual, practi a spiritual practitioner to a true healer. I am a spiritual architect that builds spiritual structures. I am a chronic Encourager. I love being encouraged. Do you know how, you know how I'm gonna, I can build that? How, how I can, I, just by doing that. That's what can happen. Right? Give and it will be given. You can't read all that, but I'm able to look for the good. I know that my thoughts are prophets. I, I write out I am statements. I'm going to read some I am statements over you right now in case you forgot who you are. I thought I should have copied these out, but what I started to do is I started to just write them, and, and I started to type out, if, if, I could, if you could just remember one thing, I'm loved of the Father. I, started, I said, I'm just going to give them one thing to remember. They're loved. That should be enough. But then I just kept going, but all these things just kept popping into my heart. I wrote out a few more. Um, as I close, um, one, of, one of my favorite passages in Revelation chapter 2, it's chapter 2 and verse 17. I know I've shared this before with you, but... I think one of the greatest moments in our life will be when we see face to face the one that redeemed our lives. This is, I look forward to this more than anything. To see the one who paid for my salvation. I look forward to that day. But then I think one of the second greatest moments will be when I hear the name that he has for me. Each one of you has a name that he has for you. 
chapter 2, verse 17, it says that, he says, for everyone that's victorious, he'll eat of the manna that's been hidden away in heaven. That'll be fun. But then he says, and I'm going to give each one a white stone, and on that stone will be engraved a new name that no one knows except the one who receives it. It'll be a name given to me before my birth and revealed to me after my death. It'll be a name that will encompass all that he has anticipated and invited me to become. It'll be a name that my heart will go, yeah, that's me. And I likely will not have fulfilled some of the things that will be embodied in that name. It'll be a name that describes me completely and intended for me to fulfill and will have been given the grace to fulfill it. That name. It'll be engraved. A new name that no one knows except the one who receives it. Isn't that interesting? No one's going to know that name except you. Wow. I just love the Word of God. I want you to stand, and I'm going to declare some I am's over you. As I started to write these, they, be, they came so fast I could hardly type them, and so I have a bunch of typos. If you're interested in picking this up, I'll, I'll, I'll copy it for next week probably if, you're, if, you, if, if I find people are interested in it. But I now put this, I will put this in the front of my journal, not, because I can read it easier too. But if you agree with this, because each one of them are taken from Scripture, if you agree with this, I want you to kind of go, yeah, in, in your heart. Is it, you don't have to yell it out loud. You just got to go, yeah, uh, yeah, that's me. <clears throat> I am. I am a child of God. Saved by grace and born of incorruptible seed. I am redeemed by the blood of Jesus, forgiven of all sin, a new creature, a prototype in Christ. I'm blessed with every spiritual blessing in heavenly realms because I belong to Christ. I am loved, chosen, holy, and without fault in my heavenly Father's eyes. And his unchanging plan has always been to adopt me through Christ Jesus into his heavenly, royal, powerful, eternal family. I know this gives him great pleasure. I am redeemed from the curse of the law. I am part of a royal priesthood, and I'm part of a chosen generation. That makes me light and salt and significant in the plan of God. I am an ambassador of Christ. My actions and attitudes always consistently reflect that. I am a joint heir with Christ, blessed and highly favored. I am beloved and completely, totally accepted by him, in him, and for him. I am co-crucified, co-buried, and co-resurrected with Christ. I am alive with the purposes and the power and the promises of Christ right now. I am free from condemnation, I am reconciled to Christ, I am justified by faith, and I am sealed with the Holy Spirit of promise, yes I am. I am elected and established and empowered by grace. I am set free, victorious, and qualified to share in Jesus' inheritance. I am purposely designed, anointed, and graced to accomplish a significant task for the advancement of the kingdom of God on earth in my lifetime. I am the temple of the Holy Spirit who lives in me, and I live for him. I am part of the bride of Christ and can now come before his throne of grace boldly. I am the head and I am not the tail. I am first and not last. I lend and I don't borrow, and I, and I do not borrow. I am too blessed to be stressed. I am changed in his image, fathered from above and abounding in thanksgiving. 
I am healed by his stripes and called by his name. I am growing the fruit of the Spirit. I'm walking in the gifts of the Spirit, and I am filled with his Spirit. I am more than a conqueror in Christ, and I am firmly rooted and built up and established in faith. I am God's workmanship, a work of art, handmade, one of a kind in Christ. I am delivered from the power of darkness and translated into the kingdom of his dear Son. I am defensively clad with the full armor of God to advance in this world. I am protected by angels, I'm surrounded by God's presence, and I'm part of a strong company of warriors. I am an overcomer, I am victorious, I am transformed by the renewing of my mind daily. I am forgiven of all of my sin, I am seated with and complete in Christ. I am known in heaven as a warrior, mighty, courageous, bold, and unstoppable. I am blessed in the country, and I'm blessed in the city. I am blessed wherever I go, in my coming and my going. And surely goodness and mercy will follow me all the days of my life, and I'll dwell in the house of the Lord forever and ever and ever. Oh my goodness, do we ever have it good? Holy Spirit, I thank you. Father, I thank you for the revelation of who we are in you today. And today, as we walk out of this place, we walk out as children of God highly favored and greatly loved. God, I bless everyone with the security and strength that it knows to